I love that story. We're talking about Barnabas, and we are—we just began a new series on discipleship. Who is excited about discipleship? Yes, Amen. I think one thing—the fact that Pastor Grant or that God has put this message, this series, into Pastor Grant's heart—shows that we, as a church, are going to another level in God. Do you believe that for yourself and in your own walk with the Lord, that we are heading to different levels? So I'm really excited about what God is doing here in our church because it's nice to grow. It's nice to mature in faith because that means that there are not new levels in the Lord that we get to experience as a church family. So who is expecting to hear from God this morning? I come expecting knowing that the things that I'm saying, they're not just me. It's from the Lord to your situation where you are at. So let's agree together. Let's just pray before we begin the message. Father, we thank you that we get to gather together in your name and that you said in your word that where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are there in the midst. So Lord, we come together. We are expecting to hear and to receive from you today. We thank you for open hearts, eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that are quick to believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from what Jocelyn just read there in Acts chapter 11, did you notice a couple of things there where he talks about discipleship? And it, it were the disciples that were first called Christians. So these people weren't just simply believers. These people were disciples. And when you are a disciple, everyone around you knows that you are a disciple. And I think one thing in our day and age, it sounds a little bit... um breathy for me to just turn that a little bit. Thank you. Um, one thing in our day and age, when it comes to Christianity, sometimes people think that, you know, because they grew up in church or they went to church a couple of times as a kid, they're like, oh yeah, I believe in God. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. But notice that the people here in Acts chapter 11 that we just read, that Barnabas, he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord and that um, they met with the church for an entire year, and it was those people that they, who were disciples, and it was those ones that they called Christians. And so this is taking place during massive persecution. To, to be a Christian, basically you're putting your life on the line. And uh, I was just listening to a minister this past week, and he did a lot of study on like the, um, the beginning of the church and what it was like. And this was basically during a time when Caesar was basically saying that he was Lord. So to, for a Christian then to call Jesus Lord is saying that Caesar is not Lord. And it was actually 75% of the church in those days actually fell away because they were afraid to confess Jesus as Lord. So 75%, that's a massive decrease. But here Barnabas was encouraging them to stay true to the Lord. And so I believe that we as a church, that we are of those who believe God, we are of those whose hearts remain true to the Lord. Amen? Is that you? Yes, that's us. That's who we are. And in Romans chapter 10, let's turn there. So one time or another, how many of you guys are born again? You know you are a Christian. You are saved. You are on your way to heaven because of what Jesus has done. So Romans chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We'll go, go back a bit. So aren't you thankful for that? Simple. Jesus already paid the price. We believe in what Jesus has done, that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead. 
and we are born again, we are saved, we are going to heaven. But verse 10, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, next, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So believing in Jesus, believing that Jesus is Lord, believing that he paid the price for our sins is simply the first step. It is the first experience of being born again. But how many of you guys know, if you've been a Christian for any, any recent amount of time, you know that there is so much more to experience. There is so much more to experience. However, a lot of the times that you know, we make Jesus, we call him Lord, we believe who he is, that he is the Son of God. And yet some people just kind of live their life just like that. Like, hey, yeah, I know he's Lord, I believe in God. But they don't really go another step further. Because discipleship is not automatic. Discipleship is something that we have to decide to do, decide to be on a consistent daily basis. But it's in discipleship that we get to experience really the fullness of salvation. Because salvation doesn't just refer to us going to heaven. Salvation also refers to heaven coming down on the inside of us and living in the kingdom of heaven here on earth right? Because, I mean, that's, that Greek word salvation is sozo. So it talks about um, restoration. It talks about peace. It talks about healing. It talks about provision. Like just what Rod and Erica, your guys' testimony, those kinds of things, that's all involved with salvation. And so as we begin to take those steps into discipleship, we, get, we begin to experience the fullness of what God has for us. Amen? Because think about it. Like when you're born again, it's your spirit, your inner man has been recreated to something that has never existed before. It's never something, it's not from the earth. It is something that is born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And that incorruptible seed has the power to produce things in your life that we could not do in and of ourselves. So that's what's so exciting about this life of discipleship is there's things in store for you and I that as we begin to follow Jesus with all of our heart, we begin to experience things that, oh man, people look at your life and they're like, how are you living that way? How are you getting jobs when other people are losing their jobs? Or how are you always healed? How are you always, you never get sick. How are you, um, you have so much favor upon your life. And you know, and people look at you and they know that you have been with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So believing in Jesus is the first step to being saved, and there is still so much more to experience. Um, If you want to turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 in your Bibles. So this is just after Jesus ascended back into heaven, and now this is um, the disciples. So you know the... um, the man, the paralyzed, the guy um, who's at the gate called Beautiful, the paralyzed man. You know, and this is, and so Peter and John were walking. They saw this man, he was paralyzed, and they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, right? So this is what just happened. And so all of the Pharisees and the relig- religious leaders were all like up in arms about this because now these guys, these disciples of Jesus are now living this life that exactly that Jesus lived, and they're causing this uproar, uproar. And in verse 13, it says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, 
Aren't you thankful? Sometimes, if anyone identify with uneducated, untrained? Amen. But they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. A person who simply believes in Jesus won't get to experience the full life that God has for them. But you, and you can't always tell when someone is a believer, but you can tell when someone is a disciple, can't you? I was just listening to a minister, and he was um, just sharing a story, because he was born again when he was eight years old. And so he believed in Jesus as a young boy, and he had this best friend grow, growing up and stuff, and so they grew up together. And, um, but his, his friend wasn't a Christian until years later. And, uh, and then they, so they kind of lost touch after a little bit of time, and then they reconnected, and his friend was saying, hey, did you know that I'm a Christian? And he, the minister said to him, he said, yeah, so am I. He's like, I've been, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. He's like, we grew up together, and you never told me that you were a Christian? He's like, what? I've been missing out on this whole life for all this time. He's like, why didn't you tell me? And I just thought that was interesting, because, I mean, as an eight-year-old, as an eight-year-old, I mean, you, you, you ha he believed in Jesus, but yet he, his friend couldn't even tell. But the fact, I mean, obviously things changed since then, praise the Lord. I mean, there's always mercy and opportunities to grow. But that's what I love is that they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. So again, discipleship is not automatic. It requires us calling him as Lord and surrendering our life to his lordship. So um, Pastor Grant touched on this last week, but the word discipleship or the word to follow there's two different Greek words in the Bible, and Jesus talks about one of, the when, one of the times when Jesus says, follow me, it actually means to take the same road that I'm on. He said, learn of me. In Matthew chapter 11, we'll actually turn there if you have that as well. Actually, no, I didn't write that down, did I? That's okay. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says in verse 28, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says, learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it amazing that God himself came in the flesh so that we can simply learn from him? You know, and a lot of people, when they talk about following God or they want to be led by the Spirit, they kind of look for, like, signposts. Like, okay, turn right here, turn left here, take that job, do this. But what Jesus is saying is it's not just being led by specific signs. It's a relationship where he's saying, come, follow me, learn from me, know the life, see the life that I'm living, and you, too, can live that exact same life. That I find that us, as human beings, we can live the life that God the creator of heaven and earth has called us to live. And that's why I love, oh, cool, we got the verse up there. We go back to Acts 4, 13 again. When it says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't that they just knew about Jesus. It was a fact that they had been with Jesus. And that talks about relationship. And then the other, ver other um, Greek word for discipleship or to follow is, so is to follow and it's to, it's to mimic or to imitate. And if you guys had siblings growing up, you know, this annoying thing is when they would imitate you. It was so annoying because I remember, like, my, you know, if I were good, because I grew up with four brothers, so I got made fun of a lot. 
And so if I had like a, a hint of a whine or a tone in my voice, my brothers would just imitate me and mimic me and they'd, you know, back and forth, like, stop criticizing me. And then they would say that and it was just a, oh, it was so annoying. But what do you do when you imitate someone, you mimic someone? You say what they say and you sound like they sound, right? So that's exactly the same kind of thing that we want to do with Jesus. We imitate him. We say what he says and we talk like he talks, and we act like he acts. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's calling him Lord, to learn from him, to follow him, and to imitate him. How many of you guys, if you guys have ever had kids, um, I don't, but uh, as a child, I remember um, I just wanted to be like my mom. I just, would, I remember I would look up to my mom and I just would be like, I want to be like her because she was so, always so kind, so gracious. And I remember as a, as a kid, I would just look to her and she would just be just beautiful and gracious. And so what I would do is I would, you know, she'd be in the kitchen or something and I would go upstairs into her closet and I would take her shoes and I'd put them on my little feet. Although actually I had massive feet as a kid, so they probably fit me. <laughs> I would take, I would, you take her shoes and I would wear her clothes, like her dresses and her jewelry and her makeup and everything. And of course I ruined the lipstick because I wasn't aware that you put it on like gently. I just was just wrap it on there. But if you want to turn to Ephesians 5.1, if we have that on the screen, this is in the Amplified. Because the reason why I say that is because there's something about my mom that I saw that I'm like, I want to be like her. And there's something in us as human beings where we want to see something and we want to be like that person. And in Ephesians 5.1 in the Amplified, he says, therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children imitate their father. So this is what kids do. Kids imitate their parents. And we are the children of God, aren't we? And so that means we as well, we imitate God. We copy him and we follow his example. I love that we can actually copy God that we can talk like God talks, that we can act like God acts, that we can speak and sound just like God sounds. So in every single situation that you may come across, you think, okay, this, is, this circumstance is facing me. How did Jesus respond? What would Jesus say in this situation? What would Jesus do in this situation? Because when you think about how Jesus would respond, that means that you and I can respond the same way. Because again, remember guys, this is not the fact that we are operating in our flesh and in our mind that we're trying to copy Jesus. We can actually imitate God because of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. Because we've been born again by the same Spirit. So that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So that means that you can act the way Jesus acted. That means you can speak the way Jesus spoke. Amen? Amen. I love that. Let's turn to um, Luke chapter 4, verse 38. You can see the progression in the life of Peter. Because, again, discipleship is not automatic, right? It is a decision. It's, it takes time. It's a progression kind of a thing. So in uh, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 38, and then we'll, it'll go, we'll go through to Luke chapter 5. So Luke chapter 4, so this is just after um, Jesus came back from the wilderness. And uh, so verse 38, he says, 
Then he, talking about Jesus, got up and left the synagogue, and he entered into Simon's home. Simon or Peter. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she got up and and walked on with them. So that's the step one encounter that Peter had with Jesus. So Peter invited Jesus into his home, and Jesus heals his mother-in-law. So that's the first thing that Peter sees. is like, okay, this guy, there's something about this guy that he can rebuke a fever, and it leaves her. And then going on into verse 40, while the sun was setting, all those who had, en- all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, you are the son of God, but Jesus rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. Verse 42 says, when day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And then chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, Jesus was standing by the, by the lake, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. So these guys, these fishermen, talking about Peter, they were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Peter's, and he asked him to put a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. While he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So you've got to picture this moment. You've got to put yourself in Peter's shoes. This is his profession. This was Peter's job, was a fisherman. And I, I don't really fish at all, but I can imagine that putting out your net and to clean your nets would take a lot of effort, wouldn't it? And this is, this is a night shift. So the, it says they, they were out all night and they caught nothing. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, hey, can I use your boat? If you've been up all night, what, is it, what, what do you want to do? You want to go home and you just want to sleep. And then this preacher comes who you know will preach for a long time. He wants to use your boat. So you're like, oh, all right, yeah, here, here's my boat. And so you're waiting for him. And so you can just imagine Peter sitting there listening to what Jesus is saying. Again, he's caught nothing all night. He's cleaned his nets. Now Jesus is using his boat. Jesus finishes speaking and then he says to him, now, take your nets and throw them out to the side for a catch. You just finished cleaning your nets <laughs> and caught nothing. So Peter, again, he's like, he's like, I am a fisherman. This is my profession. This is what I do. And you're telling me to go out to re-throw out my nets again for a catch. He's like, I've just been out all night. I've caught nothing. But thank God for Peter's willingness to say, nevertheless, at your word, I will do as you say. So Peter, again, he throws out those nets, and he gets such a great quantity of fish. Um, I don't fully know the study again of it, but I do remember hearing someone talking about this, but this wasn't just a, 
like a, a day's wage of fish. This was like a huge amount of money for them, of provision for them in one act of obedience. So then verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw that he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. There's a time and a place as when we call Jesus Lord of our life. There's a time when you realize that you cannot make it in this life in your own strength. You cannot provide for yourself the way God can. You cannot live a fulfilled life without God. And so you can see here, just in the heart of Peter, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But what does Jesus say to him? Um, we'll, uh, verse, we'll go to verse 10. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So right there in that moment, you can see the progression of Peter's life, of him believing in Jesus and then calling him Lord. Because Peter encountered the healing of Jesus in his mother-in-law. He heard the teaching of Jesus. So Peter's beliefs were challenged because he heard what Jesus was speaking. And then all of a sudden he became personally blessed by Jesus. And then Jesus gave him that invitation and said, come and follow me. So there's something about Jesus that Peter saw that he was like, I want to be like that too. Believe it in Jesus, you'll live a blessed life. But when you are a disciple of Jesus, he will make something out of you. He will make something out of you the same way that Jesus made something out of Peter. He will make something out of you. But it's that coming to that place when you you're ready to leave everything behind. You're willing to leave what you know behind. You're willing to leave your own routine behind and just say, what you have for me, Lord, I will follow you. And I believe that that is our heart. I want that to be my heart. I want that to be the heart of this church. Discipleship is not automatic. It is our choice to surrender to his lordship. You know, Peter could have chose. I mean, that invitation was given to Peter, and it was given to a number of other people. And he could have chosen to say, no, I don't want to follow you. I want to live my life the way that I want to live. It's not worth it. But, you know, thinking about all these disciples, and these disciples, they were later on martyred in life. But do you think they once regretted their decision? I don't think they did. I don't think there was a moment where they're like, oh, I wish I was still in the boat. Maybe for like a temporary feeling sometimes. I mean, I can't imagine that, you know, Paul being in the ocean Sometimes you'd be like, I wouldn't mind being in a nice clothes, like a nice warm home at the moment. But you know what? It's a very fleeting feeling because in the grand scheme of things, when you look at just how great the glory is and how much it's so worth it to make those decisions, to make those sacrifices, to follow Jesus, to surrender to his lordship, you will never regret it. They never regretted it. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, if you want to put that up on the screen. So Jesus, again, th these are the final, final words that he's saying to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, 
Go, therefore, and make believers of all the nations. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Wouldn't it have been easier for Jesus to just say, go and tell people and, and make believers? I mean, it's, it's easy to be a believer, right? Because, I mean, you just say, yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he is the Son of God and that he paid the price for my sin. That's great, and that is awesome. Like, that's the first step to salvation. But what Jesus is asking for, he says, make disciples, Make disciples, because it's the disciples, it is those who are the ones who are willing to lay down their life for the sake, for his name's sake, for the gospel's sake. It is those people that he can use. It is those people that will impact this earth, because they are surrendering to, surrendering to his lordship. Because if we want to just live our life the way that we want to live, without surrendering to his lordship, well, we're just living how we feel. We're going the day-to-day stuff and we're, all the results you're going to get is results that you can come up with. And But when you have disciples, when God has disciples, it is those people who he can say, go there, speak to this person, and you go and you simply obey. It is those people that he can use to give, give money to because they're willing to give that money to the gospel, right? He's, he's, it's those people who experience his fullness. It's those people. So I believe that that is who we are. Living a fulfilled life is for those who make Jesus Lord of their life. And in Psalms 37, uh, verse 3 to 5, I'm reading this from the, um, the Passion Translation. So it says, Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in His eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Feasting on His faithfulness Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. And I love how it says it here. It says, give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. Give God the right to direct your life. Because he cannot. Because God is as a gentleman. He will not force his will upon you. He did not force his will upon Peter and say, leave that stuff because you're going to follow me no matter what. Whether you like it or not, you're going to follow me. It was an invitation. It will always be an invitation saying, will you follow me? Will you lay that stuff down and follow me? Will you lay down your routine and follow me? Will you lay down your preconceived ideas and follow me? So that's that's what we want to do. We give God the right to direct our life. And as we trust him along the way, we'll find you pulled it off perfectly. One thing I love about discipleship is that the pressure of trying to figure out your life is gone. Because you're no longer trying to make your own decisions. You're no longer trying to figure it out. Rather, you, rather than you trying to say, okay, what should I do this way, this way, this way, this option, that door looks open, that door looks closed, which one should I do? It's no longer up to you. You're just saying, God, you have the right to direct my life. My steps are ordered of you. Which way do you want me to go? And it takes away the fear because, I mean, sometimes when God tells you to go a certain way, it looks completely like, what are you doing? In the natural, it does not always look right. But when you follow him, you know that he will always provide for you. He will always make the way for you. You'll find that he pulled it off perfectly and you will never regret it. In my, in my own life, um, 
one thing, like, you know, people with discipleship, and they, they read the Gospels, and they see, you know, this invitation being given to, like, Peter and James and John, and they think, well, yeah, those guys are, are significant. Those guys, you know, no wonder Jesus gave them the opportunity. But you know what? This opportunity is for us, too. It's for you right where you are. This invitation is always open to say, follow me. And um, in my own life, I was about, I think I was 18, 18 or 19 years old. And um, I was going through really just a difficult time in my life. And like I knew, like I always felt, like I always wanted to do ministry. I always wanted to preach and stuff like that. But I mean, when I was 18, 19, I didn't know like what that would look like. Where am I going to go? How is this going to happen? And because you know in your heart, like you know what kind of what you want to do, right? Like you kind of have a kind of an idea of what would be a good thing or something like that. So I, I had that, but I was just struggling with it in myself. And I was, honestly, I was living in sin where I knew like I was doing stuff that wasn't right, but yet I had a desire to follow God. And I was just, just struggling. And, you know, God got my heart ready to hear his instruction. Like the same way how it worked with Peter, like it wasn't just a one-off instance saying, Peter, come follow me. He'd be like, well, who are you? Why am I following you? It, you know, he, he gave him like direction. It was a progression of where Peter experienced Jesus for himself. And then when Peter was ready to hear the instruction of come follow me, he was ready to answer it. So the same kind of thing in my life. There was things like a couple of months prior to this instant that God was getting my heart ready to hear the invitation. And um, so the, a couple of scriptures, you know, would come to my heart. And, you know, and the way that God leads us, you know, it doesn't always happen through, like, a prophet saying something or, like, a big outward sign saying, do this. A lot of the times it's just your own personal relationship with God where a scripture will come to your heart or you're reading the Bible for yourself and just something will stick out to you. You know, and when those, those times when something sticks out to you, don't ignore those. In fact, actually write them down. If it's a scripture, if it's just a saying, if, if you're listening to a message on, a, on YouTube or something like that, and something stands out to you, it stands out to you for a reason. And it can be easy just kind of to like discount them, but don't discount them because it's what God is doing is he's given you instruction to get you ready for the next thing. And so um, a scripture came to my heart from Romans chapter 10 about, um, um, about beautiful feet, like, you know, those who preach the gospel have beautiful feet, those kinds of things. And couple other things happened just with uh, someone praying for me that was really good and then in um, at the about mid-year or so we had a camp meeting and we had a preacher came um, Mark Hankins anyone know Mark Hankins or know about him um, so he came to our church and we were just you know he's preaching and then at the end of his sermon he came uh, he said Chloe come on up here and I was like oh no because the last time he called me up here he asked me what his three main points were in a sermon and the order that he gave them and I was like I don't know what your three points were. So when, when he called me up this time, I'm like, oh, please don't ask me what your main point was because it's too much pressure. But he called me up here. And he just, he said a couple of things to me. And then I just, the thing that stood out to me the most was, you will not regret going God's way. And I did not know how much I would need that word. Because a couple months later, just a lot of things just um, started changing my own life. And um, it kind of came to a point where, you know when you're at that crossroads in life where you're like, okay, I got two options here. I got, like, which, which one am I going to take? And it came to that point where I'm like, okay, God, I just, I, I, like Peter, leave all and I will follow you. And I made that decision in my heart first. 
where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put the things aside. I'm just going to follow you, Lord, whatever that looks like. I'm just going to follow you. And so I, I had that heart attitude for a couple of weeks and just, you know, keeping my heart just pure before the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And then, because, you know, you kind of sense it in your own heart. Like there's a time when, okay, something's coming. Something's coming. And um, I remember one, one time I just came home from work and I was just kind of like, oh, okay, what is it, God? And I just put my stuff down and I remember just sitting down and just saying, Lord, what, what would you like me to do? And I just heard Rama Australia. And I was like, Rama Australia? Rama is a, um, is a Bible college that started in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, my parents went there when they were in their 20s and stuff like that. And so I knew about Rama, but I was like, Rama Australia. I'm like, is there even one in Australia? So I took out my laptop, Googled it. I'm like, yeah, there is one in Australia. And so I just was like, I was so excited. I'm like, I think this is the next thing that I'm supposed to do. And so I run outside. I'm like, Mom, I think I should go to Rama, Australia. She's like, Chloe, that's great. There's also one in Tulsa, a little bit closer if you want to go to that one. I was like, yeah, thanks, Mom, but I heard Rama, Australia. You know, and it wasn't an audible voice. It was just something just very, just a, on the inside of my, in my heart, just Rama, Australia. And those two words were like, they completely changed my entire life. But for me, that was the moment, like the same time when, when Jesus calls Peter and says, come follow me. That was my invitation of Chloe, come and follow me. Because I had no idea that what, you know, that sacrifice. Because in the moment you're like, yes, this is so exciting. I'm going to Australia. I had no idea that, okay, it's gonna, it's, it costs you something. Calling him Lord is going to cost you something. But if you look at the reward, the life that you get to live, like that minister said to me, you will not regret going God's way. Calling Jesus Lord of your life, you will never regret it for a single moment because he makes it so worthwhile. And so, um, you know, I told my dad that then as well. And like, I think I should go to like Rayma, Australia. And he was like, they were all so supportive of me, which I was very thankful for. Um, and then it hit me like a couple days later after the excitement wears off. You're like, okay, I, I need the money for this. I'm going to be leaving my family behind. Where am I going to live? Um, I've never been to Australia. I've never even lived out of home before. What, <laughs> like all those things start to come. And all of a sudden you start to question yourself of, should I really go like, is this really God? Maybe not. Maybe I'll just, you know, give, give me some more time and then I'll go. Um, and like, so it's kind of an excuse. Like a couple of days later after the excitement wore off, I said to my dad, I remember saying to him, um, I said, well, you know, maybe I'll just like wait about a, another year so I can like save up, you know? And he's like, well, can't you just believe God? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I can. <laughs> so that shut me up pretty quickly. But um, God is so faithful. When he gives you that invitation, he's not saying, okay, here's the invite, now go figure it out. He's giving you that invitation because he's provided everything that you will ever need to fulfill that invitation. And, you know, and so just get ready in your own heart. Those little things that God puts in your heart, whether it's a scripture, whether it's someone, someone said to you, a prayer, anything like that, take note of that, follow that. Because he's getting ready to give you an invitation. You know, and if, even if in your own life you may have, have been given that invitation and you didn't follow it, you know what? God is so merciful. He is so gracious. There will always be another opportunity, right? It's just you're giving him the right to direct your life. So where you are at right now, you can call him Lord of your life. And he will find, 
he'll get you, he'll maneuver you to where you need to be so that you can fulfill what he has called you to do. But it's that decision, right? Because believing in Jesus, that's the first step. But it's that discipleship. It's saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. That means when you call Jesus Lord, it means that you are not. That means you don't get to make the decision. He has the final say. And that it's in that place of complete surrender where you get to live this just fulfilled life. Amen? Well, let's stand up.